This is EdTech Weekly, and I'm your host, Ricky Zager. In tonight's show, where should EdTech be headed? The best kind of EdTech PD. Monica Burns in EdTech Magazine. What? And strategies for EdTech coaches. Christy, welcome to the show. Hey, Ricky. How are you doing? I'm good, but, it, you know, full disclosure, it is 10.30 p.m. in the East right now, and this is a very late show for me and listen i'm old i feel old and i feel like 10 30 on a friday night is like it's past bedtime well i'm sure you're just getting ready to go out and hit the town right <laughs> never never 10 10 30 is like please bed come soon please man back in college it was just getting started about this time of the night oh yeah it was even early back then but that's yeah. a long long time ago <laughs> all right now we're old well, I don't know. I mean, we're not. I don't. I. I can't. I feel not as old. Well, listen, I'm old. Let's just. Let's just. Let's just be honest. I'm old. But the people don't need to hear about how old I am or our college lives, Christy. They're here for the EdTech News Rundown. So let's give it to them. Let's do it. The tech advocate gives us four thoughts on where EdTech should be headed. Sometimes it seems hard enough to know where EdTech is right now, let alone where it's headed, but here is their attempt. First, they mentioned that EdTech resources need to be heavily vetted before jumping in, even if the resource is free, which I think is kind of interesting because I think a lot of times we just jump at free resources without even thinking. Second, they suggest some humility for EdTech companies as there simply isn't enough data to suggest that tech is the best way to educate our students just yet. Thirdly, EdTech needs to emphasize higher order thinking skills. Get your Bloom taxonomy out and look at the top there. That's what they're talking about. And last, EdTech needs to be focusing on the achievement gap. And that's going to require that access is fair across all student populations. Christy, for me, I find that the humility for EdTech companies is a little bit silly because I don't think that's really coming when investors are throwing millions of dollars their way at this point. Uh, the humility probably not going to come until money's not being thrown at them until they do something uh, that's actually worthwhile because a lot of people are getting money without a whole lot of outcomes. So anything stand out to you about these four suggestions, Christy? I definitely definitely think the one about being free. You know, in education, we're always looking for things that are free that can help us. And we do tend to jump on things that are no cost. Um, but we really need to do look at that longevity of it. You know, is this a tool that we can actually sustain and use? And then also that freemium where it starts out as free, but really to get to the good stuff, then you have to start paying for it. Those are the things to look out for. And the higher order thinking skills bit reminded me of the article that we talked about uh, maybe it was last month on being stuck in Bloom's basement. And so much of technology is just at that level one or base level. So some work to do with that. And we've talked about equity before. Um, so much to do with that and make sure we have equal access and opportunities to all students. So good article. Yeah, I mean, these and these are all things that we see a lot when we do the EdTech News. I mean, but but yeah, I think the free thing is definitely big. And of course, high order thinking is something that I'm just, can we please just let ed tech help people achieve that rather than, you know, and we'll, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in, in, a, in a story coming up. I feel like there's a good theme for the news this week. So we'll let you continue and we'll talk about it later. 
All right. Next up is an article from eSchool News that explains that the best ed tech professional development shouldn't even be about technology. They reference an estimate that only about 35% of ed tech tools are being used. Now, while I'm sure that includes free resources that may get pushed aside, it is still an alarmingly low percentage. It also appears from the article that there is plenty being spent on PD, but it clearly isn't effective. One of the reasons they say is that only 9% of PD involves a format that fosters collaboration. While having technical training on the EdTech platform is certainly a necessity, the pedagogy and ways to effectively use it in the classroom seem to be missing. So by focusing on the ways to teach it and collaborating on those ways may just be the answer to help improve ed tech professional development. I know in our district, we've been trying to do this by personalizing professional learning, but it's still, but it's still difficult with limited time and resources. Ricky, we've talked a lot about this on our show. Anything in particular that you'd like to mention after reading this? Well, yes, yes, I would. There are some things, but specifically, I find myself, and, and, I, and I don't want to say this to sound like I don't also make these mistakes when I do trainings at times. But I feel like we, when we do professional development for teachers, we throw everything out the window that we know about learning theory and good education practices. And we just sort of give them slides and lecture to them. And we don't really do the things that we should be doing, which is helping them collaborate and work together and giving them time during these things to foster that collaboration. And I, it's just funny because, you know, you hear, in fact, I, I'm not going to say how long ago it was and where it was because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I was at a conference last week and, you know, it, it was the, the person who was the keynote speaker was talking about really great strategies to get people to connect to learning and all this kind of stuff, but they just spoke about it the entire time and had tons of slides and never let us actually do the things or model the way that they were talking. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I feel like there's just a disconnect for some reason. You know, I, I've seen people say, oh, uh, you know, PowerPoint slides, well, there's a, too much text on those and you shouldn't do that. And then those same people do a training with text all over the PowerPoint slide. Like, I don't, I don't know if we just think it doesn't apply to professional development. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm scratching my head sometimes. I really am. And so this was at a, a conference you're not going to name when, but it happened to be last week. Listen, I'm not going to tell you the day or the location. Okay, I mean, you know, you could, you could. There's probably a bit more than one conference. It wasn't a huge. Co now I'm saying too much. I'm saying too much. I'm going to keep. I'm just going to stop. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. No, I agree with you. You know, why do we not do? You know, practice what we preach and talk about it and. Um, you know, maybe there's just, we feel like there's too much content to get to. I'm not sure, but it is something that, uh, you know, everyone who presents and does professional development needs to remember. Yeah. And I think there is that, there's a level, especially in the higher um, levels of either higher ed or even like the high school world where we don't want to make the the teachers or the professors think that we're talking down to them and we're treating them like kids. You know what I mean? So it's like, we want to just be like, you're an adult and I'll give you the information and you can parse it the way you want. You know what I mean? I think we get caught up in that sometimes. And also just the, the fear, I think, of you've got, especially in higher ed, you know, you've got these people that are subject matter experts. And while they may not be uh, the most accomplished in teaching practices, you still feel that they have a doctorate. So you don't want to, you know, make them upset. I don't know. I think there's a lot more going on than just 
people not listening to their own advice. I think it's, it goes a little deeper, but maybe that's an art, uh, you know, something to talk about a little bit further on another show. Let's get to the third story before I get myself into trouble. An article in EdTech Magazine highlights a former guest and friend of the show, if I may say, Monica Burns. And she's doing exactly a question and answer session on how to work with digital tools. I honestly was so excited to see Monica in my news search this week. It was like, wait a minute, what? I know her. That's really cool. She was a great guest, and she's a great Twitter follow as well. And she, I saw her leading an ed, a chat um, about Adobe Spark, I believe, on Twitter just recently. I mean, I highly recommend you check out this whole Q&A session. But I'll give you just a few highlights from me. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, Students must learn to become creators work collaboratively, and explore topics they're curious about on the devices. And it's like, yes. And if I was a millennial, dare I would spell it Y-A-A-A-A-S-S-S. Yes, exactly. This is something that hits home with me so much. We need to be letting them use digital tools to achieve that higher order thinking, that higher level on the Bloom's taxonomy like we talked about earlier. And my other favorite response of hers revolves around how unfortunate it is that devices are too often chosen based on their ability to perform a standardized test well. I know that it's not that it can be a necessary evil in public education based on factors beyond even a district's control when it comes to standardized tests, but I just can't wait for the day. Please let there be a day when standardized tests in general are a thing of the past. I mean, maybe for certain tasks like nursing public you know that i could see when you have to pass a board exam or something that you may need that same type of thing but my goodness i just hate i, I just hate everything about standardized tests i really do especially for k-12 christy before i get too fired up here and i feel i'm moving that way it's late i'm getting cranky because i'm old and i'm tired how do you feel about our former guests being featured on a big site like edtech magazine and uh, anything stand out to you well, I will focus on the one of our featured guests being on this article and not so much on standardized tests. So perhaps <laughs> out of the discussion for another time, yes. as in California, we are heavy into standardized mm. tests right now. Same all um, over, I so think. Yeah. Way to go, Monica. I mean, I feel like we were in on the ground floor with her um, and her book. And so that is so cool that now she is one of the featured stories that we're talking about. So, um, yeah, just I think that's pretty cool and great find with the article. So, yeah, um, no, it's it's awesome. I'm really I'm happy for her. I, I really like a lot of the things that we talked about her book, and it was a while ago. We may need to re- revisit that for a segment as well, since we're, we're we're just throwing out things that we can talk about more at a future time. But I really liked how she sort of talked about the using of the tool more than like how to use. Like, you know, not doing a tutorial, but actually how to use it in the classroom to achieve stuff, which I, which I think is really good. And she came at a, at a level that I think just about anybody could sort of read that and, and get something to help them in their classroom. So I'm, I'm, sure. I'm happy that. Yeah, let's there. no longer do a training on, say, Flipgrid. Let's do a training on a, something, some content and how we're going to use Flipgrid to better teach and learn that content. So. Boom. Exactly. Boom. All right. Next up is an article from Ed Surge that talks about how an ed tech coach has to be prepared for many different types of teachers. There really is no silver bullet or magic template when it comes to being a good ed tech coach. As ed tech coaching hopefully becomes a more common thing, we definitely need to explore ways to help it be more successful. Annie Tremonte, the author, explains that 
Coaching must be rooted in strong pedagogical practice. It's not about supporting an increase in technology or pushing certain tech tools, but about considering the classroom culture and instructional models that best support it. Going into a classroom with an agenda to have a teacher use a specific program or force them to use technology more is not the answer. She believes listening is one of the most important aspects for an ed tech coach and then helping support the needs of that teacher in a way that makes sense for them, not you. Ricky, I know you have advocated for more ed tech coaches. What do you think about this strategy? Well, first, I'd like to say that I think it may be clearly obvious to you, if not to our listeners, that when I'm involved with doing the show notes and the stories, I give you the difficult names to pronounce <laughs> and the big words because I'm like, no, I don't want to try to do that. I'm going to let her All try right, to do that it. was on purpose. Okay. <laughs> it just so ha- it ha- it pr- I promise it really wasn't on purpose, but it does feel that way. Okay. All but, right. What do you think about the strategy? So, yeah, I mean... I really, I do. I think there needs to be far more um, ed tech type coaches in, in schools that are a part, like a part of the staff, and that is their own jo- their only job. Not somebody who goes during their planning period to help people, and they get like, or you know, they might get a relief from one one period a day, or get an extra planning period. Like I think we need full time and more than one even that like are doing what this, what she's saying, what Annie is going through. I, I think there's a lot of great points to be made here. It's not what we want. If we're an ed tech coach, it's not about what you want or what you think, what, you know, what tool you think is awesome. It's let's talk about your classroom. What is going on that, that could be made easier, that could help your students, that could help you. And let's see how we can support that in your class. Um, you know, too often I think people in general that are into ed tech come come into something where they talk to another teacher and be like, you have to use this. This is so great. You have to use this. But without even knowing, is that something that they really even need to be worried about with what they're teaching and how they're teaching it? So I do think it's going to take a full-time position of an ed tech coach in a school to be able to get to that level because even one, but even one person in a classroom or in a school, I should say, there's still way too many teachers unless it's a small, small school to be able to really develop that kind of a relationship with them. So I, I think we need more for sure. And maybe it's one for every 15 teacher, whatever it might be. I don't know where the money's coming from. That's not my, I don't deal with that. But I'm just saying I would try to get more and more people in the schools to help people let technology be used in the way that's going to help students, you know, get to those higher level thinking skills. I definitely agree with you. Kind of think you are in dreamland with your ratio there and how amazing that would be. But, you know, trying to find a way to fund that, um, at least in the K-12 world, is kind of difficult. I do think that this article is perfectly timed as I was working on in ed tech coach job description today. So I am going to save this article, um, one to use with hopefully our new ed tech coaches. Awesome. So now how are you implementing that? Is that, are you trying to do one per school? Are you getting a couple for the district to move around through schools? How's it going to work? Do you know yet? Um, well, I really think one per school is important. However, it's certainly not full time and it's actually just a stipended position. So it's Mm. on top of their regular teaching day, which you just said is not bad idea. I heard it on a podcast somewhere that that's not the best way (laughs) to do it. You're going to need more. And (laughs) if that person had an idea of to way to fund different things, um, then maybe that, but no, 
but just having that site level support of the go-to person and they often have that relationship which is really at the heart of this article of you know being able to you know not just come in there and drop a tool and leave but you know when you've got someone who's already on your teaching staff and already has relationships um, I at least think we're headed in the right direction with that part. And if we ever get a chance to have full-time people, well, that would just be amazing. Yeah. I mean, obviously the funding is always the problem when it comes to this. And, you know, I would say that the funding can be there, but that means some, you know, <laughs> listen, in a big district, and I don't know about your district, but in a big district, they, it can get a little top heavy. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there, there seem to be a lot of higher up positions that continue to be added with, with more and more money. Um, so money's available. It's just how are, you know, how is this going to become a priority? Is it going to become a part of the culture? And are, can you get buy-in from the people who are deciding where money is spent? Um, and, and is it going to be some, a position, but I think you need to structure a position this way in order to see that benefit. And so if you're only doing it with somebody who's going to be getting a stipend and going to be, not, I shouldn't say only, cause it's good to even have somebody. Cause I've worked in many schools and seen many schools that don't even have a, that at all. So to have that's good. And if you can sh proof of concept that and maybe get some traction and try to build some momentum and try to get this culture of, you know, having somebody in a school that's there for that. Because I think ideally, and this is kind of turned into a featured segment and I'm okay with that. I think ideally what you would want is somebody who is either coordinating or working in concert with other professional development that's going on. So if there's professional development in a whole, now they don't have to necessarily run it, but if, if there is a tool that the school or the district has paid for, and has given basic training to, well, then they need to help support that as well. So they sh it's, it's, there should be some synergy there. And I think they should, that's why I feel like it should be a full-time position. And I'm sure, I know you do as well, but you gotta do what you gotta do. And so to me, it's it's a much bigger position than even just, hey, let's talk to somebody. It's, it's, it's a synergistic like, oh, okay, we're pushing this. This is our main focus in our district. So I have to help support people to do this as well. And, and I think, I really think it's it's tough with the stipend. And if it's anything like the stipend that I got for coaching girls basketball for several years, it works out to a very small amount per hour of the amount of work you're doing. And the good thing is we have dedicated teachers and coaches who care about students and care about education, so they're going to do it. Uh, but it would, man, wouldn't it be nice if you just had a, a roll of money that was designed just to support that and only that so there was nothing else could be used for? Really, how long? long do you need or have ed tech coaches at some point we just have coaches which we do have a, in our in our district as well but at some point i would hope that technology is so ingrained in the instruction that we just have coaches and everyone's on board getting going and you know doing some base level professional development having it be specifically ed tech I think is important, and I'll let you know how the stipended thing goes next year. Yeah, fill us in on that as you go through it. And But I, I agree with you 100%, and I don't even know that this article itself uses the phrase ed tech coaches very often. It's clear that that's what they're talking about, people coaching through you know using ed tech to do some things. But you're right. I mean, and I think it goes back to that professional development thing where they say don't even talk about – you shouldn't even be talking about ed tech in it because I, I think – at the end of the day, you're right. It's just about teaching and it's about tools. And, you know, if you want to get extremely technical, you can call chalkboard ed tech because it's 
a piece of technology used to teach people in education. Like that's technically educational technology. So it's a broad base word that we have come to sort of just only think about as new things, new technology, you know, new apps that we use, new programs, that kind of stuff. But in general, I think you're 100% right. It is all about coaching. It's just about helping teachers uh, navigate whatever environment they're in, whatever tools they're using, and help them use them to, uh, you know, help their students to achieve whatever goals that they're setting. Um, what we call, oh, my brain is fried because it's so late, objectives, learning objectives. How are we getting them there? And are they good learning objectives? Are they higher order thinking skills? And can ed tech or can technology or can whatever tools teachers have help get them there? Well, I just really like that you said I was 100% right. So mm, 99%, 99%. No, you said 100 <laughs> I was exaggerating. It's a show. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an entertainment podcast on some, hopefully, hopefully it's entertaining. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to do a podcast this late again. <laughs> I'm a little loopy. I can't lie. It's true. It really is. Well, let's get, let's get this thing over with then so we don't lose any of the few listeners that we still may have at this point. So email the show edtechweekly at gmail.com. Christy, I was looking at the podcast and it is almost, it's, it's dangerously close to two years ago that you first joined us as a guest. Two years. Wow. Is that's that, amazing. It doesn't even seem possible. It was July like 11th or something like that or 7th in 2016. Like I can't. I, I remember that summer day. Oh, it was a warm evening. I remember. Not. I actually do. I was sitting on my deck. Oh, <laughs> I was actually in North Carolina doing the show from my mother-in-law's place. And it was like <laughs> right. I was outside on the porch because I couldn't get good. Why? What a disaster. But hey, it worked and you're on the show and now you're here. So again, email the show edtechweekly at gmail.com if you want to just contribute, be a part of the show, or just uh, give us a little shout out. We get them from time to time and it's nice to hear that people are out there. Uh, at Ford Tech Teachers on Twitter, at Christy M. Warren. Uh, follow us on Twitter and, uh, you know, edtechweekly.reddit.com for the Redditors out there. Check it out. I love Reddit. And, uh, of course, the website, edtechweeklyshow.com. Christy, I'm not going to put you on the spot because it's, it's late, but I will say, would you like to say anything to the good people as we leave today? You know, I don't have anything as good as last week, so I'm going to pass. Well, there you go. That's the end of the show. We'll see you next time on Ed Tech Weekly. <laughs>